Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Happy VD. Now, that could mean a lot of things, but let's just cut to the chase and say it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there in the audience. We love you, and we just want you to know, consider this show our Valentine's to you today. The beatings will now commence. That's what it is, because it's Tuesday, and it's the VD Top 3. Oh, man, the Valentine's Day Top 3. Uh, and we're going to be going over that here shortly with Alaskans uh, for Sustainable Budgets founder and director, Brad Keithley. He'll be joining us here shortly to talk about the big issues, the big news of the day. And we're going to start off with some stuff, including what Larry Persilli, uh, who is a, <clears throat> uh, well, I don't know what Larry is these days, but uh, essentially he... Uh, He's he's been a government uh, he's been a government servant for a long time. He's a longtime journalist with breaks for federal, state, and municipal service in oil, gas, taxes, and fiscal policy work. I can't think of a single time Larry and I have agreed on anything. Uh, so uh, interesting, uh, interesting first part of the weekly top three. What Larry Persilli and the Alaska Policy Forum have in common? Hint: It's about your PFD. Uh, the second uh, talking point today is going to be why isn't campaign finance on anyone's agenda this legislative cycle? And finally, uh, another way to look at the bill that uh, Dan Ortiz has put out and how much it would actually cost Alaskans. And it's a bunch. It's a bunch. So that is kind of the rundown for the weekly top three uh, today. Uh, we're going to get started on that here in just a few minutes uh, with Brad Keithley. Then in hour two, we're going to talk with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to come in and help us with our weekly life coaching lesson because, my God, we need some coaching around here. It's a bad deal. It is a bad deal. Uh, I mean, just it's going to be good for Chris because we're going to feel bad, man. Hashtag feels bad, man. Uh, when it's all done, uh, I'm sure. But you know what? We'll know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. And even though the truth is hard and painful sometimes. Um, all right. What do we got going on here uh, this morning? Well, first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for being part of the program. Don't forget, you can always listen to us uh, not only on terrestrial radio across the state of Alaska, on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translators, a variety of FM translators around the state. But also, of course, you can listen to us on our website, on my website, on the website, the Royal We, on our website at MichaelDukeShow.com. And, of course, the simulcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. There we go. There we go. 
Um, so that's the first uh, start off this morning. I I just I don't even know. Well, I don't even know where to start. Uh, quite honestly, I have a couple things that I do want to discuss. I mean, the um, the the whole balloon UFO. Uh, object in the sky, unidentified aerial phenomenon, I mean, all these different things. This has captured people's attention like, uh, I mean, like nothing else. And boy, has it stirred up some, it has stirred up some weird rumors and conspiracy theories and, and everything else. Uh, I saw, I saw a Joe, I saw a Joe Rogan <clears throat> I saw a Joe Rogan tweet yesterday, um, or not a tweet. I don't know if it was a tweet or Instagram or whatever it was. It was it was on one of the it was on one of the socials um, where basically it uh, was talking about uh, the uh, uh, it was basically talking about the the uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, and uh, and then it was like the U.S. government denies the uh, denies that they were. Uh, no evidence of alien or extra or extraterrestrial activities in shot down objects, says the White House. And Joe Rogan says, now all of a sudden, I think it actually is aliens. Hashtag look into it. I, I mean, I think that's more tongue in cheek, but people were taking stuff. I mean, I don't even know. Look, is it weird that all of a sudden we've been shooting stuff down out of the sky left and right? Absolutely. Um, is it because we changed how we started looking for things? Absolutely. We were talking about that yesterday, how now they're starting to track objects. You know, before they were just basically looking for fast movers. And now all of a sudden they slowed the search down and are like, well, wait, if it's only traveling at, you know, 10 miles an hour, we need to know what it is. And and so now they're seeing things that maybe they weren't picking up before. Um, <clears throat> is it aliens? I don't know. Is it China? Probably. Or somebody. I mean, What's uh, what's in those packages that were connected underneath? We don't know. And I probably believe that we will probably never know. They may tell us something, but I'm just not waiting for it. And again, not surprising that this is what's going on. Not surprising that this is what uh, this is how the Chinese are handling it They're I mean, they're looking to get us spun up on this. And of course, Joe Biden is looking to try and take a stance on something. So he at least looks like he's, <clears throat> I don't know, doing something. Because remember, he's still not hes still not that popular. He's still not that popular. But man, I have seen some weird and wild headlines over the last couple of days. Um, and, uh, you know, it's even got people that I know that are normally fairly level-headed be like, I'm worried. I'm worried that they're going to try and, I mean, they, I, yes, I know it's worrying, but... Oh, it's only so much you can control. Only so much you can control. Um. Anyway, so that's uh, that's that's one of the big stories that's out there. And I mean, literally, when they have to put out a headline that basically says, uh, you know, no uh, evidence of aliens in these things, I, I start to question. I start to question. I start to question life. At that point, I'm just like, are we, I mean, there's a whole story now in the ADN, ADN, it's an Associated Press story, talking about all the rumors and everything else and the misinformation or the thing or the theories or the, you know, the, I, anyway, I'm going to focus on what's going on in the state because that seems, I seem to have a little bit of a better handle on some of that stuff than some of these other things. 
Um, the big news uh, that caught my attention this morning, first things first, was the fact that former Representative Gabrielle Ledoux is going to now be on trial. Her trial date has been scheduled um, uh, for uh, April 11th. She uh, she was set for the trial call yesterday. Is set for April 11th. He, she's commu- uh, accused of committing voter misconduct and unlawful interference with voting. Back in 2018, charges began with an investigation that started in 2018 after the Division of Elections identified irregularities in some of the absentee ballot applications and absentee ballots returned for the primary election. Essentially, the three were supposedly getting people who didn't live in the district to vote. That would be Gabrielle Ledoux along with her aide, Lisa Vaught Simpson and Cadet Vaught. They all face similar and various charges. Uh, Ledoux and others are accused of knowingly solicited or encouraged directly or indirectly a registered voter who is no longer qualified to vote. Those are all Class C felonies, which carry up to five years in prison. Uh, Some of those irregularities, including 17 people having voted from the same address, a tiny trailer in Muldoon. Uh, And some of the votes were people who were actually dead. Uh, So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting. She called uh, Gabrielle Ledoux, by the way, said this. She's not guilty. And all these charges are fake news. She ran hard in 2020, but lost the primary against David Nelson. Uh, So it's going to be an interesting time to watch what happens when this was all said and done. Of course, the thing is, Gabrielle Ledoux was running as a Republican, but she really was part of the whole Muskox caucus, you know, caucused with the Democrats, did all that kind of stuff. So, you know. I mean, I caught this and I was like, oh, that's going to be good. That's going to be good right there for sure. Uh, The other thing I wanted to talk about really quickly here, because I don't have a lot of time, is there was an article uh, last night or midday yesterday, I guess, from the uh, Alaska's news source over at KTUU uh, where they're talking about the current school year. And the headline reads that future snow days this year for the Anchorage School District will become remote learning days. And basically it was saying we've already had a, there's been an unprecedented number of snow days, so many that the district has now decided to turn future snow days into remote learning. Now, they said that after the Matsu Borough School District demonstrated a successful implementation of remote learning, ASD started to have its schools develop their remote learning plans too. This is from the Chief Academic Officer Sven Gustafsson. You're the birdie. My name is Sven Gustafsson. Um, anyway, Gustafsson said remote learning days are based on the student's school and grade level and they will look slightly different forever. And I'm thinking, wait a second. Didn't we just go through like a, almost two years of on and off remote learning with the pandemic? But you had to wait for the Matsuboro School District to demonstrate how to successfully implement it before you decided to implement one yourselves? Uh Hello? This thing on? This thing on? I mean, I'm just looking at this, and this is the school district that continually is crying about not having enough money. I mean, they they had everything all set up. This was already going on. And yet they turned around and they're like, oh, well, look, the Matsu is, they're still doing remote learning on all these because it was, man, it's been some wicked weather this year. I mean, it's been, you know, snow and ice and sleet and wind and everything else. And the kids are just like snug as a bug in a rug at home in the Matsu because they've got remote learning 
that they carried over from the pandemic. And ASD is like, oh, well, maybe we should look back into that and figure out how to do it right. Well, e- oh. <sighs> recent number 612, why you should homeschool your kids. Because these people, if they can't even figure out that the remote learning thing is probably important on snow days, can you really trust him to teach your kids? I'm just asking for a friend. I mean, that's just asking for a friend. All right, we got to go. We got to get back to it. Uh, Brad Keithley coming up for our VDT3. Yeah. Sounds like a sounds like some kind of additive that's in my drink or something. VDT3, the Valentine's Day Top 3, up next with Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets, The Michael Duke Show, Cobbett Sets Radio, back with more. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like... America used to be streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. I don't know, man. Just watch this stuff with the Anchorage School District like, oh, look at what we just we've discovered that other schools are. My gosh, we, we could figure this out. I mean, we've only did that for like a year. But, man, maybe we should do that on snow days so we don't have to add more days because we can't figure out how to. The fu- what the hell is going on? All right. Um, mass shooting at Michigan State University as well. Yeah, I know, but I, I just I don't give those things. Usually I reserve that for Friday if we're going to talk about it, because what are we going to, you know, what are, what are we going to figure out? about that i mean what are we gonna there's nothing we can do about it at this point other than go forth armed to protect our loved ones that's all we can do um all right what's going on uh, pfd u.s biden blowing up russian pipeline uh florida single image one is a blah 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 muldoonikins <sighs> trying to understand the brain of low work, uh, how the brain works on low IQ bureaucrats is difficult. I mean, after all, they don't know what a woman is. Yeah, I could see, that. I could see that being a problem. Can't figure out what a woman is. Maybe you should not be telling us what to do. All right, um, let's get Brad in here because I'm obviously a hot mess today. Let's get, <laughs> let's get Brad, let's get Brad in here and figure out what's going on. Yeah, I'm just I don't know what to say. It's just one of those days, Brad. How are so, you? So so when you run out of things, when you run out of things, you get me in here. Is that the, is that? How That's it. Goes? I mean, I just don't even know what to say anymore. I'm watching all this stuff on the news, and I'm scratching my head, like, uh, you know, that's enough internet for today. Kind of is what it is. You know, that's enough adulting for today. I'm going to walk away from this because there's just so much crazy stuff going on out there. Um, yes, a lot of people get VD on VD. Yes, it's possible that they do. Uh, but today is the VDT3. That's all I'm saying. That's a new thing for me. It's the VDT3. Hey, Brad, how's it going on your Valentine's Day? Uh, how's, it, how's it going? 
Michael, I'm doing great. And, uh, and, and please tell, uh, uh, Terry, happy Valentine's Day for me. I'm not going to wish you a happy Valentine, but but I'll 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 do that for Terry. Everyone loves me, Brad. I just assume that. I mean, everyone loves me no matter what. Um, well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Um, we're ready to go into the weekly top three. Uh, I I just did you catch this article from the ADN yesterday talking? I I don't know, and I I know it's expected now. It's not like it's it's not like it's a surprise. But sometimes just the tone of the the paper of record for the state of Alaska is just so the, the headline read a month into the legislative session, the GOP dominated House majority is still deciding priorities. Now, if this had been the other coalition majority, it would have been strong, some strong stance about how they're they've got what they need and they're focused and everything else. But it's just it's this constant nitpicky kind of thing. And I just. Ooh, doesn't it just wear you out sometimes? I mean, is it me or is it, am I missing something here or am I calling this wrong? You, you tell me. No, I, you're, it, 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 it's, it's worrisome. Um, I mean, the, the majority does have its priorities on certain things. And the article makes that clear once you get down, right. once you get down into it, they don't have their priorities on everything, but no majority ever has their priorities straight on everything until you get toward the session, the end of the session and things have sort of sorted out so yeah it's um it's it's yeah the 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 headline is what can we pick at what can we find in this story that's bad that will get eyeballs on this article get get you know yeah readers eyeballs on this article well the inference is the inference of course is that they're not focusing on the priority that sean mcguire thinks is important right the schools and the everything else and the benefits and all that that's really what the implication here is um but Anyway, I'm glad I'm not the only one who just sometimes I just look at the paper and I just like, nope, I close the window <laughs> and I just move on because that's, it. it is fertile ground for the top three, though. It is. And, and it it, is. Every every week, about every week, we've got one or two ADN op eds or, or yeah. stories that are sort of the, sort of the lead. So, yeah, oh, there's there's a reason it does, for that. Yes, provides that service. All right, Brad, let's get back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share, like and share. Here we go. Okay, we are continuing on this morning, ready to do our thing. Brad Keithley with Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets comes on board this morning. And uh, he is here to join us and talk with us about what we like to call the weekly top three. The top three items uh, that caught Brad's attention this week. I don't know. How do you pick the items, Brad? I mean, how do you do it? Do you just kind of throw a dartboard at all the mess that is Alaska? Or do you... uh, just whatever catches your attention. Is it a shiny object thing? I just got to know. <laughs> well, on Monday, if I haven't already decided on them over the weekend, on Monday, I open up tabs to all of the major news sources in the state. Uh, and I just go through them one by one and sort of a process of elimination of getting it down to getting it down to a few stories. And then I pick the top three from that. There you go. Well, I mean, it is. We were just talking about the ADN and what's going on. And I mean, that's definitely rich and fertile ground for some top three material out there in the ADN. That's what we're talking about. All right. Um, 
let's uh, let's let's kick things off here, Brad. Let's get started in uh, in our discussions of the weekly top three. Today we start off with Larry Persilli, uh, who uh, earlier I was like, man, this. I mean, I know he's been a journalist, but it seems like he spent most of his adult life in governmental service in one form or another, and he's always got an opinion, and I'm almost always disagreed with him. But now you're saying, oh, well, there's some similarities here between Larry Persilli and one of my favorite outlets, the Alaska Policy Forum. Let's talk about that. What What's going on? Well, Larry's got a got an op-ed over the weekend in all the major papers. I happened to pick the ADN one in the link I sent you as fertile ground. But right. uh, Larry's uh, got an op-ed in all the major papers, and it's essentially saying, uh, look, we need to get our, prior- in his opinion, we need to get our priorities right. We need to settle on education spending. And then P- the PFD uh, issue, the PFD debate needs to be a fallout from that. It needs to needs to follow from, from education once the education funding is settled. And we need to give priority to that. Uh, then once we've resolved that, then we can worry about the PFD. It is, it is the same leftover PFD approach that Natasha started, Natasha von Imhoff started uh, in the mid 2000s, uh, her and Bert and David Thiel and others, that the same approach now taken to education. And every year it's, it seems to be, well, there's something else. There's something else we need to do first, then we'll get to the PFD and the PFD will be the leftover uh, after, after we do that as something else. So Larry's, Larry's editorial is all about trading the, uh, uh, the trade-off between the PFD and education. He leaves one thing out. That is that there's another solution. If you want to increase education spending, there's another solution to it. And, and that's obviously to charge all Alaska families through equitable taxes uh, for the costs. I mean, if you want to increase spending, you shouldn't. But if you want to increase spending, go ahead and do it. Uh, but, the, but paying for it should be a burden that, that's, that's imposed or, or realized by all Alaska families as opposed to just middle and lower income Alaska families through, uh, through PFD cuts. He doesn't mention a word about that. He doesn't mention a word about alternative revenue measures uh, to more equitably fund his favorite spending. He just want to push. He's just he's just proposing to push the cost down to middle and lower income Alaska families. And as I and as I read it, the the similarity between that and the editorial we we talked about uh, a few weeks ago that was in the ADN by Eric Cordero from Alaska Policy Forum. The similarities between Larry's editorial and Eric's uh, struck me. Eric's uh, was all about, uh, we can't have taxes. Uh, uh, whatever else we do, we can't have taxes. Uh, we need to do something else. Well, that something else that he left out is PFD cuts. And that something else is um, uh, has the large, PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy uh, and on 80% of Alaska families of, of any of the re- revenue measures. But he just, he left it out completely as did as has Alaska Policy Forum's study on the issue that he was talking about. Uh, They just leave it out completely. And basically what the approach is of both these editorials is if you ignore it, it will go away. So so Larry's approach is if you ignore taxes, if you ignore more equitable revenue measures, if if you're gonna spend, if you ignore more revenue measures, then it doesn't exist, it will go away and we and we have to use PFD cuts. From the Alaska Policy Forum perspective, it's if you ignore the impact of the PFD, then it then then the PFD will go away and and we'll be able to 
will be able to avoid taxes. Very few in this state, very few. And I'm and I'm hopeful that the that the uh, Ways and Means Committee, Ben Carpenter's Ways and Means Committee, will be one of the exceptions to this rule. But very few people in this state are willing to step up and say we need to look at everything. Right. It's not just education versus the PFD. My my favorite spending versus my least favorite uh, uh, revenue measure or least favorite spending. Um, and and in the case of the Alaska Policy Forum, it's taxes versus uh, uh, other things, uh, or, or not concerning other things. Very few people are stepping up and saying, look, let's look at all of the, let's look at all of the, all of the issues. Let's look at all of the revenue measures. Let's look at all, all the spending on the table and, and consider what the best approach is. They all want to consistently, they all want to ignore one thing or another. And it's usually the PFD that gets, that, that gets ignored in the case of, Alaska Policy Forum or its alternative revenue measures, when we're talking about paying for spending in the case of in the case of, of Larry's uh, op-ed, very few will step up and say, let's look at all of it. And the reason they don't is because they know that if they do, they'll have to confront the fact that PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the overall Alaska economy. And they have uncontrovertibly and they have the largest adverse impact on 80, uh, 80% of Alaska families. They're worse for Alaska families. They don't want to talk about that. So, so mm -hmm. what you do is you just ignore the rest of it and you say, mm -hmm. well, it's got to be. I mean, it's like Bert the other day at, in Senate finance. It's got to be education versus the PFD. Right. It's got to be one thing or the other. There's no, there's no other alternative in here. There's no lesser lesser impact lower impact alternative that we can consider it's got to be either education or the pfd of course right education is for the children it wins that battle and it's just it's very frustrating to see all of these fiscal policy articles from the right and from the left that just leave out a, a real uh in-depth uh honest straightforward analysis of all of the options that are at play well, it's interesting because you mentioned Ben Ben Carpenter in the Fiscal Policy Working Group. And remember uh, in the Ways and Means Committee where he said he was going to use the Fiscal Policy Group's plan to try and implement a long-term fiscal strategy. And that thing hits on everything. I mean, it hits on it hits on oil taxes. It hits on cuts. It hits on, uh, on uh, uh, new revenues. It hits on the PFD. It hits on every topic that we've been talking about in this program for years and takes it all as a holistic approach, but everybody's got their sacred cow. Everybody else, like you said out there, has got their sacred cow, and it looks like everybody wants to sacrifice the PFD on top of on their on their altar of whatever to prevent having to talk about all these other things. the the reason The reason personally is not talking about taxes is because he knows that if he mentions that you we would need taxes in order to fund explicitly mentions i mean pfd cuts our taxes but if he explicitly mentions the word taxes that we need taxes to fund education that the whole dynamic shifts i mean then the top 20 percent will say wait you want us to pay a part of this no 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 no. we don't need this spending let's 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 get in here and dig into what's really going on with k through 12 and sort through all of the sort through all of the various uh, factors and let's really figure out what it is exactly we need to be spending on before we, before we sign on for, for more spending, but by, by avoiding spending and using, you know, the PFD as the, as the counterweight, 
that doesn't affect the top 20% only affects the other percent of, 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 of Alaska, the other 80% of Alaska families, um, that, then he escapes that. He escapes that reaction by the top 20%, the donor class, the ones who, you know, that the legislators listen to, the ones that hire the lobbyists, um, he escapes triggering them into, you know, looking at K through 12. So hopefully, I mean, there, there's, there's a method to the madness. I mean, Eric, uh, Alaska Policy Forum doesn't mention the PFD because they know by comparison, the PFD is worse in all the categories. PFD cuts are worse in all the categories that uh, Alaska Policy Forum is complaining about uh, than taxes. Taxes actually look better uh, on in their impact on the Alaska economy and their impact on Alaska families actually look better. Yeah. Um, so, so you ignore it. So, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to confront that. I, hopefully Ben does, hopefully Ben's committee does. He started out well, he went, he had an overview of the, of the uh, fiscal policy working group conclusions. Um, and hopefully that's the, that's the direction they go an all in approach. But these, these editorials, these op-eds that are being written on both the right and the left are just unhelpful in terms of uh, in terms of analyzing the real issues that we're confronting the irony of this whole situation you, you've mentioned bert steadman a couple times because he's really one of the prime movers and shakers behind the scenes on this and i had to laugh when they did that piece on donna ardwin coming back that he was like oh she's just not good for alaska because she didn't have any analysis of what the impact would be of any of these cuts and i'm just thinking you have had no you continually go back to rake and rape over the pfd and you have no impact you have no impact analysis of that either but you know, it's a good, it's good enough for her, but not good enough for you, kind of thing. And of course, his latest piece was in that that hit piece we were talking about earlier about the uh, the legislative majority in the House not having their priorities or whatever it was. And he's quoted again: Sitka Republican Bert Stedman, co-chair of the Senate Finance Committee, said reducing this year's dividend to roughly thirteen hundred would allow the state to cover the Senate's education budget boost, all municipal bond debt, and a projected three hundred million dollar deficit baked into the governor's proposed budget. They've already made their minds up, Brad. They already they have already decided where they're going to go, and the narrative is already out there. Period. Well, Bert certainly decided where he's going to go, yeah. and 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 look at what he's triggering. He's, tr he's trying to trigger the, the education community. Oh, good. We can have our spending. He's trying to trigger AML, the, the Alaska Municipal League. Oh, good. We can have our mun municipal bonds paid for. He's trying to trigger um, uh, the other. Uh... Looks like we lost Brad for a second here. We'll see if it gets caught up. Folks, we're talking with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. It is the weekly top three. Uh, we are talking about uh, the latest piece from Larry Persilli uh, in the uh, in the ADN, the latest opinion piece. Sorry, Brad, you got you got you got caught up there. You froze. Uh, oh, okay. You're back here. So anyway, finish your thought. I apologize. Well, no, it's just. I mean, what I was saying was, Bert's look at what Bert's doing. He's trying to trigger the 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 education community. Look, we can have K through 12 spending, all the K 12 K through 12 spending we want. Uh, if we cut the PFD, look, we can have, he's trying to trigger AML, the Alaska Municipal League. Look, we can have all of the, uh, all of the, we can cover all the municipal bonds, all the stuff you guys want to do. We can cover all that. Right. We cut the PFD. Yeah. He's trying to trigger everybody else in, 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 involved in the budget by saying, look, we don't have to cut anything else. We can cover the deficit. All we have to do is cut the PFD. It's, a, it's just, it's a battle. It's, just, it's a battle cry for the special interests, right? I mean, that's what it was. It was a battle cry for all the special interests wrapped right. up in that one statement. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Number two, Brad, 
let's get a let's get a let's get a head start here on number two, uh, which is why isn't anyone talking about campaign finance reform? That's uh, that's the we need to we need to talk about this. Let's get real about keeping dark money out of Alaska politics. So Paul Jenkins, Paul Jenkins from the right, right. has a very good opinion piece this weekend in the ADN. Uh, about dark money and the need to address dark money. But when you listen to the legislature, now in the legislature last year, we had a lot of people talking about, you know, campaign finance reform. We had Alaska's uh, spend or, or campaign finance limits thrown out by the Ninth Circuit. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about replacing those. There was a lot of discussion about, you know, getting limits back on, about addressing dark money coming into Alaska campaigns, at least the state campaigns. Um, a lot of A lot of discussion around that. Um, but then we had the election and we don't, we've had zero discussion. You look at the priority list in all four groups, uh, the Senate majority, minority house, majority, minority, it ain't there. Uh, uh, campaign finance reform is not, is not on anybody's list. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and the reason is everybody who got elected, <laughs> got elected under the, under the unrestricted rules. And they don't want to mess with that. But look what kind of legislature we've got as a result of having unrestricted rules and having as much money come in, uh, outside money and inside money as uh, as as you know anybody can dream up. Um, so it's it, it is it is it is a bad thing that we're not addressing campaign finance reform. Paul Jenkins has a good op-ed on that, and we'll talk about it more uh, after the break. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We are going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We'll return in just a second with more of the weekly top three right here on your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the, on the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, Brad Keithley, our guest here uh, on, on, uh, on the program this morning. Um, Ben Carpenter uh, just commented in the chat room, and he said, uh, as we squabble over what's visible, our short-sightedness costs us long-term investment and economic growths, i.e. jobs. And that's exactly it. We get, I mean, it, it is the look over here, look over here, look over here. It's Stedman, you know, activating the special interests and everything else. And you mentioned it. No, there's no mention of spending. No mention of spending anywhere. And spending is the problem. It, you know, if you give them a bunch of money, they'll just continue to spend more. They love this idea, and they will always avoid the issue. It's always a revenue problem. It's never a spending problem. Um, and talking about what was something else that I saw uh, Donna say, Donna Ardwood says, what about the alternative of fixing education so students can read? <gasps> Gasp. I mean, there's an idea. You know, let's put some let's put some uh, some some guide rails on this thing and make sure that they have to hit a scholastic achievement. I mean, yesterday Sarah Montalbano mentioned the Tennessee uh, the Tennessee uh, a plan that they're doing for their funding in schools where it's tied to student outcomes, but nobody wants to talk about that. They just say what we really need is more money. That's what it's about. 
Well, nobody and nobody needs to talk about it, Michael, because their donors don't have to pay for it. I mean, that's 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 the travesty to me of using PFD cuts, uh, sort of setting everything else aside. They found a funding mechanism, a revenue mechanism that pushes the costs to middle and lower income families. I mean, let, let's take Alaska families. They found a revenue mechanism that pushes the costs away from the top 20 percent middle and lower income Alaska families. The best the, the closest analogy in other states is sales taxes. Um, and sales taxes are regressive and push costs to, to push more costs to middle and lower income Alaska families than the top 20%. But they do affect the top 20%, certainly more than PFD cuts. And 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 you will find in other states that at least when you're when you're talking about sales taxes, the top 20%, the corporate interests, the chambers of commerce. The, the 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 trade groups, the lobby groups, they'll all become engaged and, and talk about the need to reduce spending because they're concerned about the impact of those taxes on their businesses and on uh, and on their and on their owners. But here they found they found the holy grail. They found a revenue mechanism that doesn't trigger, doesn't affect the top 20 percent. And and it's sort of it's sort of unlimited at least at this point because you know we've had the, the pfd is so much that you can just keep dipping into it and dipping into it and dipping into it and fund this and fund that and fund the other thing and you don't trigger the top 20 percent. you don't trigger the trade groups i mean it, it just it it it, it it's just it, it the, the revenue mechanism that we've devolved to in this state is never going to cause pushback on spending. People will mouth those words and the Chamber of Commerce will be concerned about, oh gosh, we may ultimately burn through all of the PFD. Then we may have to talk about taxes. So we ought to be concerned about the long term and we ought to be concerned about things like spending caps. You know, So in the long term, we'll, we'll never have to pay taxes, but it's okay to fund everything underneath the spending cap with PFD cuts in the meantime. We just, we, we, we are we are going down a road or we have been going down a road and we're continuing to go down a road where spending spending levels just aren't important right. to the top 20%. Right. Um, to the extent they are important. I mean, to the extent they are important, they want more and more and more of it. They want more um, uh, construct for their construction budget. They want more for K through 12. They want more for state employees. They want more defined benefit plans. I mean, that's, that's sort of what we get uh, right. out of this. Well, so, and, and as you until we, until we find a revenue source that triggers Everybody, all Alaska families having to contribute to it. We're just going to keep going down this road. Well, and you just made the same point that Rob Myers did in the chat room. So we cut the PFD so that we can increase the operating budget now. Keep that up. The PFD will be gone and we'll be talking taxes again. That's what I've been saying for years, that if we continue to whittle away, I mean, oh, it's 1300 Oh, it's 500 Oh, it's 700 Oh, it's whatever. It's zero eventually because they've consumed it all. And then they're back at you hat in hand saying, oh, well, you're not really paying your way because all these other states have taxes and we don't. So we need to tax you so that we can pay for all this stuff after they've consumed all of the PFD and everything else. Well, the way to get that under control is to make them pay now. I mean, if they're going to make middle and lower income Alaska families pay, uh, uh, contribute to government costs through in, in increasing amounts through PFD cuts, make the top 20% pay as well. Get them engaged now so they start putting the brakes on now as opposed to waiting until until the PFD is entirely gone, until middle and lower income Alaska families have given up all of their benefit of all of their inheritance coming out of the PFD uh, toward government. And then maybe the top 20 percent will get engaged at that point. Make them get engaged now uh, and bring them into the process of 
of complaining about, pushing back right. on, saying that that we don't need all this spending, pointing out, you know, using their resources instead of saying, oh no, in, use PFD cuts, don't touch us. And Brad froze again. Um, okay. I mean, I agree. I was watching Forged in Fire this weekend, and all I could think of was there's a crack in the metal, and sometimes you got to drill a hole in to stop that crack from spreading. And that's how I look at this. I think this is a good idea. All right, Brad's going to join us again here in a second. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking radio. Here we go. All right, we're continuing with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, the weekly top three. We were talking about number two, uh, which uh, which is the uh, dark money aspect of it, this discussion on it. We were talking about the piece by Paul Jenkins in the ADN, uh, and he lays out the same argument, Brad, that I've been making since the very beginning, that they continued to talk and they sold it to Alaskans as a bill of goods that it was about dark money, failing to acknowledge that the whole thing is being funded by dark money. And really, the whole thing is just it it was a it, it, we were being gaslit the whole time. Michael, we've got the, the best legislature that money can buy, unlimited money can buy. And and we're seeing the results of that in terms of I mean, some of the issues we were just talking about in terms of PFD cuts. Uh, the, the moneyed interests don't want the top 20 percent don't want to pay for things. So they use use mechanisms, revenue mechanisms that push the costs down to somebody else. And they use their resources rather than pushing back on spending. They use their resources to push those costs, the costs of spending down on somebody else uh, through PFD cuts. And, and, and some of that, a lot of that is due to the fact that we have unlimited campaign finance in this state now. I mean, we've got, we've got outside interests that can give money. We've got inside interests that can give money um, and fund uh, legislators who are going to be responsive and and are going to be uh, uh, concerned about those issues that that, that the top twenty percent is concerned about. Um, the, the one of the ways to get that back under control is to go back to where Alaska was before and have campaign limit campaign finance limitations, so that legislators couldn't rely can't rely on just one or two or three or four or five. Uh, uh, sources of income uh, of revenue for their campaigns, um, and 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 be good, and we can't have you know outside interests coming in and 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 influencing the legislature on on significant issues, uh, and not have to worry about uh, not have to worry about the consequences. We need to go back to a system where legislators need to get a little bit from a lot of people uh, in order to to, to finance, a came, uh, finance a campaign. A little bit from the top 20%, but they're limited in how much they can get from the top 20%. But but quite a bit from middle and 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 to some degree lower income uh, uh, families as well. They need to they need to be sensitive. They need to have to reach out and and find support uh, in those levels um, instead of just being able to get all their funding from from one source. So Paul Jenkins is right. What's really sort of interesting about this is campaign finance reform is typically an issue you hear talked about on the left. But in Alaska, we're seeing now with Jenkins article in particular, Jen Jenkins op-ed in particular, we're now seeing it to be 
to be an article that's showing up on, on the right. And part of the reason is there's a lot of, of left side money out there in the, in, in the U.S. that's finding its way into Alaska. You and I have talked about right. Alaska being a cheap date. Yep. Uh, and a lot of money's coming in here trying to influence campaigns, not only at the state level, but also at the local level, even at the municipal level. Um, and, and, and we're just seeing the influx of that money come in. So Jenkins has got it right. What's disappointing is we're not seeing that, to, disappointing to me, is we're not seeing that as an issue uh, uh, in being pursued by any of the caucuses um, uh, as a priority. And the consequence, I think, of that is we're just perpetuating the system we've now built, which is unlimited funding and unlimited funding from uh, from the left uh, that will that will influence elections. Well, what was most interesting about this, and Jenkins hits it on the head, is that you know this idea that this is how they sold it to us, yet the one of the huge exemptions and loopholes in there, of course, is outside dark money for initiatives and ballot uh, questions, uh, which, of course, is what ballot measure number two was. It was a ballot question, and they spent millions of dollars, $7 million, to be more precise, more than $7 million, uh, selling it to people. And we just, we fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. We as a people fell for it with the help of the judiciary when they decided that it wasn't a single-issue deal. I mean, it's just, it's almost the perfect storm. When it's all said and done, and it is something that needs to be addressed, but we've got so much that needs to be addressed. It's like we don't even know where to begin sometimes. Well, yeah, and, and, and it, but it's iterative, right? I mean, fiscal policy is our big issue. That's that's the issue that the state really has to confront to get back to the issues that uh, that Ben was talking about uh, a little bit ago. But what? But part of what's driving where we hit, end up on fiscal policy issues is campaign finance that allows a lot of of, of large donors to come in and influence the campaign and, you know, and, 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 and influence even incumbents by threats of we'll run against you. We'll finance somebody against you. If you don't, if you don't uh, adhere to our, uh, adhere to our position. So it's the, the, yes, that we do have bigger issues, but campaign finance is one of those issues that's driving some of the other issues. And if yeah. we don't get at that, then we're not really going to be able to get at the bigger issues because the people who are making the decisions on the bigger issues will continue to will continue to go down the path that their that their large donors are sending them on. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the path that they are sending us on right now. And this, of course, is the path. The big hue and cry. The two big hue and cries in the legislature right now are: uh, we must do something about the underfundedness of education, even though it's increased 35% over the last 12 years. But we need to do something about the underfunding and, of course, the defined benefits. Dan Ortiz has got a couple pieces to talk about, but one of them is, of course, this new proposition of increasing the base student allocation by $1,250. Now, again, just to make it clear, none of that money from the base student allocation is really going to make it into the classroom. This is not going to give us better educated kids. Most of that money is consumed by overhead and by administrative costs and everything else. And again, Sarah Montalbano is going to be on with us in another week or two to talk about this because there's a brand new report out talking about that, how the overheaded administrative costs in the education system is eating the system alive. But that's where the BSA, that's where the lion's share of the BSA goes. Uh, but Dan's got a plan, but it's going to cost us. Number three, Brad. Well, number, Dan's plan is going to cost us another $330 million. I mean, so so the the Senate has said they want to start the conversation at $1,000 adjustment to the BSA. And, and let me mention, there's a great article in the Alaska Landmine that breaks down how the BSA works, 
and why it's really not really it's not a fair way of distributing money in the first place. Uh, but uh, uh, Dan's so the basic Senate bill is is a thousand dollars. Dan's trying to get out in front of that train and say, oh no, it ought to be thirteen hundred dollars. That's that's Dan's proposal, and Dan's proposal has an ultimate price tag. The thirteen hundred dollars he proposes is an ultimate price tag of uh, of uh, of three hundred and thirty uh, an additional three hundred and thirty million dollars on top of what, roughly one point two billion dollars in K through twelve spending uh, we have we have currently. One of the things one of the things that 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 we talk about in Alaska and we think about is we don't have taxes, right? We say we don't have taxes. Well, we do. PFD cuts are taxes. And so I've tr I'm trying to trying to find ways in which to talk to talk about the impact of, of bills like Dan's and like the Senate's in a way that brings it down to Alaska, brings it down to Alaska families. One way is to talk about it in terms of PFD cuts. We already have a, roughly a uh, $900 million deficit that we're funding through PFD cuts. We're already taking about $900 million in PFD cuts. That's about $1,400 per PFD that we're paying in PFD taxes to finance the deficit we already have, $1,400 uh, to finance that $900 million in, in deficits. Dan's bill would add $300 million on top of that. And we don't have the revenues coming out of oil around traditional sources, so it's going to have to come out of additional PFD cuts. So Dan's bill is an additional, I mean, the way I would talk about it, is an additional $480 million or $480 in PFD cuts, a total of about uh, of nearly $1,900 uh, in, in PFD cuts between funding the existing deficit as well as the additional $400, $480 uh, in PFD cuts that Dan bills would, Dan's bill would take. So Dan's bill says $300 million, not much. Hey, it's for the kids. Who cares? It's an additional $480 out of every Alaskan's pocket uh, to finance the additional bill that, that Dan comes Dan comes with. Another way to look at it is, is in terms of impact on Alaska adjusted gross income. Um, uh, Ledge Finance had in their overview of the governor's budget a calculation that showed that a $900 million deficit, to fill a $900 million deficit, you have to take 3% out of Alaska adjusted gross income, take it out of the pockets of Alaskans and shift it over to government. Uh, they were talking about it in terms of a tax, but it's the same thing in terms of PFD cuts. You're taking 3% of adjusted gross income out of Alaskans pockets and shifting it over to government to finance the, uh, to finance the deficit we have. The additional uh, uh, tax that Ortiz is talking about is another percent. So, or the additional impact of Ortiz's bill would be another percent. So instead of a 3% tax that we're already paying uh, to fund government, we would be elevating to a 4% tax. What, what Ortiz is, is proposing is to take us to a 4% tax of adjusted gross income. One other way to look at it is, is just, you know, the round number of 4% really, or 3% really doesn't show the impact on Alaska families. Yes, it's 3% overall, but that 3% is really 12% on, on the, the low 25% of Alaska families, 5% on the next 25% of Alaska families, 3% on the next 25% uh, 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 of Alaska families, and less than a percent, uh, about 4% on the top 1% or the top 20% uh, of Alaska families. It's really skewed. I mean, it's, it's, it's right. extremely regressive. 
what Ortiz proposes is to take another 4% out of the, out of the low 25%, another uh, 2% out of the next 25 and, and so on. So y- y- to think of, you need to think about these things, not in terms of just additional spending, but additional taxes on Alaska families that he's proposing. If you think about it that way, people will react right. uh, to it. Well, we've got to change the narrative. We've got to change the thing. And unfortunately, they've got the the news miner and and, uh, and the daily news and everybody else is in their back pocket talking about it from their perspective. We've got to be the lone guys in the wilderness, I guess, barking at the wall and telling them what's going on. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thanks for coming on, sir. Uh, happy Valentine's Day. Thanks for the beating. I appreciate it. <laughs> Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, and tell Terry happy Valentine's I will. I will. Folks, we're out of time right now. We got more coming up. Hour two, dead ahead. We'll do some open line stuff. And then Chris Story is our guest. Common Sense Radio is what we're about. That's the thing, Brad. If we could get people to see this in terms of being, it's already being a tax, they would, uh, you know, maybe it would be more understandable. But, I mean, we are fighting an uphill battle here against the narrative that's being put out there by all the powers that be, the the politicians who are kind of in control of the whole situation, and they've got their allies in the news media who, again, I was talking about the headline on that article about the House majority. I mean, it's it's just there. nobody's doing what they need to do, and here's why you need to do it. And nobody's talking about the fact that we are already being taxed extraordinarily. We are. I mean, I, that part of, part of the issue is we sometimes fight, conservatives sometimes fight amongst themselves about whether the PFD's a ta- PFD cuts are a tax or not. They are. They take, they take money out of Alaska uh, uh, adjusted gross income, Alaskan adjusted gross income, and move it over to government. That's a tax. It, 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 you can't, you can't view it any, I don't think you can view it any other way. And, and, and that is, that, that's a tax on Alaska citizens that in the case of the existing deficit is, is equal to a 3% tax. Uh, that's how much we're taking out of Alaskans pockets, out of the Alaska private sector, moving it over to government, allowing 60 people plus one to decide where that money goes, as opposed to the 650,000 people that, uh, that are, our PFD recipients, we're putting all that, we're putting that economic power in the hands of, of 60 plus one. Um, and, and it's a tax. We're moving that, we're, we're moving that money over. So when, when Ortiz talks about, when Ortiz talks about, or anybody talks about, you know, I'm going to, I, I want to increase spending by uh, uh, $300 million. To me, we ought to be saying, okay, what you're saying is you want another 1% tax on the economy and it's, and it's distributed unevenly so that it's another 4% on the lowest 25, another 2% on the next 25, and, and so on. What you're talking about is increasing taxes on the Alaska economy. You're talking about increasing the take from Alaska, from adjusted gross income and moving it over uh, uh, to government side. Now, who's in favor of an additional 1% tax on the, on the Alaska economy? Who's in favor of, of taking an additional 1% out of, the, out of adjusted gross income and, and, and now we're going to have a 4% total tax. I mean, even if you view Alaska, um, if you view the 3%, it's sort of reasonable compared to everybody else. But you start talking about 4 5 6%, which is what they're talking about in the legislature with this additional spending, this 4 5 6% of Alaska adjusted gross income, moving it over to 
over to government. Now you're now you're getting into the range of California, New York, and Illinois, some of the some of the high tax states. So right. well, and it's I, not even a, it's not an equitable distribution either, as you point out. Right. It disproportionately affects the lowest income earner. So if it was a three percent tax, great, I guess, if everybody's paying the same. But since the lowest is paying five and the upper is paying less than one half of one percent at that point for the one percent that Ortiz wants. Then sure, go ahead. Less than one half of one percent, I'm fine with that. Oh wait, I'm down here at the bottom and it's five percent. That's a problem. I mean, that's that's the thing. They're not treating it as if it's a tax. Yep, exactly right. We're not talking about it as if it's a tax. It's just it's just oh, that's free money. Well, it's free money that's that's coming out of the pockets. It, it's it's inheritance money that's coming out of the pockets of Alaska citizens uh, and moving over to government, just like a tax, just like a tax was. I mean, the government's grabbing it before it gets to the citizens' pockets of withholding it and diverting it before it gets to citizens' pockets. But under the statute, it's supposed to be going to citizens' pockets. So it, it is as much a tax as anything else. And I and I think I think we need to be talking about it, and, and I need to be talking about it more, certainly, but we need to be talking about it in terms of a tax and in terms of quantifying these spending proposals that people have in terms of the additional tax, the additional impact it's having, and adding it to the base. I mean. Somebody would say, well, 1%, we can afford one. Well, it's 1% on top of the 3% that we've already got. It's now a 4% yeah. tax, and then a 5% tax, and then a 6 and then a 6% tax. Again, even if you don't agree with Brad's position on you know, a flat tax or something like that, this argument makes sense because you're, you would then be advocating for, even if you're advocating for cuts only in, spend, in the spending, you have to treat this like it's a tax so that it wakes people up and it shows them that you are already being taxed. If you want to cut it back, we have a spending problem. And this argument makes that uh, makes that uh, uh, th this this point makes that argument better than anything else, because we are being taxed already. OK, you don't want it. To, you'll want a flat tax. Great. Well, we're already being taxed and it's already disproportionate. And do you want to add more? Yeah, exactly right. Do you want to add more to the to the fourteen hundred dollars that's already being taken out? That's already being taxed out of the PFED. Do you want to add more to the to the five percent that's already being taken out of the out of the out of middle income Alaska families in terms of the existing uh, in terms of the existing impact of, uh, of PFD cuts? I I think quantifying it that way. James Brooks in one article in one place talked about the impact on on PF uh, on PFDs. Of what the of what the Senate majority was proposing in terms of their thousand dollar BSA, he calculated it in terms of the impact on 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 the on the PFD. But he didn't he didn't. I mean, you have to understand that it's a regressive tax, and it's more on middle income Alaska families right. than, than it is on the on the top twenty percent, and much more on the on the lowest twenty five than it is on the top twenty five percent. So you have to you have to take it that next step step and talk about the disproportionate effect between Alaska families that it's having. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thanks again. I appreciate it. And uh, have a happy day. Thank you for coming on board. We'll talk to you again. Uh, talk to you again next week. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on board. Okay, folks, we are coming up to it. We've got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. Chris Story is going to be our guest. Um, I guess we'll just throw, I guess we'll, let's, uh, let's throw the phone lines open. Shall we do that? Let's throw the phone lines open. And get your take on it. And you could agree or disagree or whatever. But, uh, I mean, I got to say, I agree in part with the idea that we have to at least start really framing this whole argument in the form that, uh, that uh, 
you know, that this is a tax already and that it's a disproportionate tax already. We need to be talking about this. So we're going to get into this here in just a second. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hello and good morning. Welcome to it. Hour two of the big radio show. And we are uh, ready to dive into this and talk with you. Uh, I think now is the perfect time to discuss uh, to discuss what Brad was just going over. I know there's some people uh, in the chat room who disagreed with it and are upset that we would deign to talk about the idea that the cuts to the PFD are already taxes. And as I was just saying, um, as I was just saying a minute ago, look, you don't have to agree that any kind of new taxes is the way to go. I mean, I, I'm fully, I mean, I'm not on board with that anyway. Uh, I think it's a discussion that we need to have, but we need to be treating what's going on with the PFD and talk about what it really is. It is a tax. What's going on with the PFD is literally a tax on the income. They were talking about AGI, the adjusted gross income component of what was going on. The $900 million that they're using and taking out of the dividend to pay for the uh, to pay for the deficit. That's 3% of the AGI, the adjusted gross income of ever of you know of the of the state of Alaska. And then you've got this another 330 million that Ortiz wants to do with the base student allocation. That's another 1% on top of it. And the problem is they're going to keep chipping away and chipping away and taxing the PFD until the PFD is completely gone. And then they will come back and say, well, well, now we need now we need to talk about new taxes because, hey, you Alaskans, you're not paying your fair share. You're not paying taxes because all these other states pay taxes. We should do what they do. And so we need more money. So we're going to tax you now on top of that. That's the insanity we're talking about. That's what I mean, that's what's going on. Uh, I mean. Change my mind. Change my mind. If that's if you think that that's not right, that that that's not the taxes that's already happening, and that that's not the direction you're going, then let me know. Tell me why. Uh, phone lines are open right now uh, at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. 
This hour of the program being brought to you by your friends at Satellite West. You'll find them at SatelliteWest.com. And it doesn't matter where you uh, where you are, from Diomede to Delta, from Menchumana to Metlakatla, from Anaktuvik to Uktavik. Wherever you go in the state, Satellite West can keep you connected uh, with uh, text messages and emails and phone calls and surfing the Internet. They've got the hardware. they got the tools. they got the talent to get you connected and keep you connected throughout the state. Special thanks to Satellite West for sponsoring the program. 907-433-3150. I mean, I think Brad's right. We need to frame the argument around the PFD taking for what it really is, which is a tax. Um, and he's right. This is Alaska's inheritance. As citizens of the state, we uh, we own the state's resources collectively. And that resource and that return comes back to us in the form of the PFD. And if they are taking it before it hits our bank accounts, if they are taking, you know, they already get 50% of it, right? That's how it's worked out. They already get 50% of those earnings. So if we are going to get the other side of it, um, and they keep taking it, that is a tax, folks. So everybody who's tax-averse seems to continue to ignore the taking of the PFD because, well, it's kind of free money. and It's not free money. It's your inheritance. It's your children's inheritance. I mean, I didn't write the Constitution of the state of Alaska, but damn sure we're going to try and live by it, and the state says we all own the resource collectively. You know? Now, does that mean we give up on the idea of cutting into state government? No, but we have to frame the argument specifically in the beginning so that we can understand where, you know, we can delineate where our position is. We are already being taxed. Already being taxed. Now we can start talking about things like cuts only and everything else. Now, is there the political will to get that done? I don't know. I don't think so, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop trying. Let's just put it that way. Let's go over to the phones and see what you have to say. 907-433-3150. Over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Randy, what's on your mind? Well, I saw a good, interesting, sensible bill that was uh, presented by the Ways and Means Committee yesterday. I went into the LIO and testified in favor of it. And it's HB 45. And what it would do, it would allow... Anyone in the top 20%, or anyone actually, but I'm just adding that to top 20%, who <clears throat> advocates a state income tax where they could, uh, in $25 uh, increments, could donate their PFD to the state government, similar to the Pick, Click, Give program. And all of us people in the bottom 80% who don't want to donate to the state or anything out of uh, from our PFD or to any other Pick, Click, Give item uh, can just do decide not to donate it to the state, but it would provide a convenient checkoff box right on the uh, electronic PFD application form where someone could donate, you know, just 25 bucks of their PFD or all of it or whatever they choose. And I think it's a good idea. I, I testified in favor of it. Well, sure. I mean, if that bill goes into law, are you going to go ahead and donate just $25? Or are you still donating all of your PFD back to the state? Well, the person has a choice. The person could think about it. For instance, for instance, uh, in last year's PFD to 2022, in fact, I'm holding it in my hand, I still have not sent this check back. It's for $3,284, and uh, it's a beautiful check. You know, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's a wonderful heft of it. It helps. It helped a lot of people, by the way. 
And uh, I do plan to send this back because after hemming and hawing about it, I think, well, they're still going to have a deficit and, and we still need to get. I, I read in the news minor where there were invasive species invading our waterways here in the interior. <clears throat> and they're trying to combat that. But the article said that they didn't quite have enough funds or they're always scratching for funds. So I guess I could donate my check to, to help that as well as the Connect Goose Bay Road that I've more than expanded. But uh, uh but yeah, people can have the choice. So I think HP 45 is a good thing. Well, Randy, you feel free to, I'll give you my address. You can feel free to send me that check. Just endorse it and send it over here because I will put it to good use much better than the government will. But I mean, you know, if people want to do that, that's on them. That's, I mean, that's totally fine if that's what they want to do. I don't think you're going to see any of the top 20% signing over their dividends to the state, you know, in the near future. I just don't see that. Because why not? Because they've got all they've got all the little people ready to do it. They're okay with that. They're okay with taking that money and letting uh, and letting it go. If you want to give your dividend back to the state, more power to you. Um, you know, I I find it ironic that instead of not filing, you still file uh, because I guess by not filing you're not getting your fair share, but by filing you are, and then you can send it back. Um, but if it's not yours to begin with, then why even file? I mean, at that point, if it's not yours to begin with, why even file? Yeah, I just like to look at it, and I like to have the option of <clears throat> keeping it. Someday I'll start taking it again when I, when the conditions are right and I feel comfortable about it. Still kind of like the Social Security. I'm, I must confess, and it's a whole different ball of wax, but I still have not applied for that Social Security that I'm planning to because there's a little tiny thing in me that still have given me a little hesitation, but I'm going to do it pretty soon, I think. and. Uh, because uh, I did pay into that account. I, I, I don't even know. Me. Randy, God love you, but I don't even know why. I have no idea why you would even hesitate to file for Social Security because that is your money. You did fight, You did put into it for years. You're already well over the age to which you could have uh, claimed it. You said, what did you say, you were 65? I mean, so you're already over the age. 68. 68. 68. I mean, so you're already well over the – why? Why, Randy? Why wouldn't you file? I don't even understand it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, st- just just – Take the money that was owed to you, take it and run. And you know what? Take the PFD because that's your money. Whether you think it is or not, it is your money. It's your share of the law of the oil wealth in the state of Alaska. And you know how to spend your money better than anybody else, better than the government, better than some guy on a board working on invasive species, better than some legislator in Juneau. You know better how to spend your money than anywhere else. Uh, and so, Randy, take your PFD. Take your take your social security because that's the right thing to do. It really, really is. It's not that hard. I don't understand why you're having such a conundrum over it, but uh, just take it. It's your money. You know how to spend it better than anyone else. Period. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your call. I mean, I just, I don't, I cannot even wrap my brain around the mindset of all, you know, at this point, if I was anywhere close to social security age, I would take it because, I mean, they're already predicting that by the time I hit social security age in like 10 years, there will not be any social security. I will have put all that money into there for nothing and there will be nothing to pay out to me. Great. So if I could take it today, I would take it today because it's not, it's going away. I paid into it for all those years, and I'm going to get the short, sticky shaft at the end of this thing. Why you would even hesitate is beyond me.
Absolutely. And again, you're 68. You could have been drawing that thing for what, six years? 62, right, is the first year you can draw. You could have been drawing on that thing for six years. And now you're like, well, I don't know if it's, it's, it's insane. Take it. It's your money. Over here, one more call before we go to break. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, this is Carlene and Kodiak. Good morning, Carlene. What's um, on your mind? I'm watching the movies I-O-U-S-A and Maxed Out, and it's about the state of our nation and the unfunded liability of the Social Security. It was funded. They've just taken it to pay the interest on the money that we borrow from other countries. Sure. And then I'm reading the book Animal Farm. George Orwell, 1984, and the problem with socialism, Thomas J. DiLorenzo, and the quote of Maggie Margaret Thatcher famously said, the problem with socialism and socialists is they always run out of other people's money. Yeah. And I'm also reading Tucker Carlson of Fools. And when he was in the first grade, he didn't know how to read or write. So his father, because of the liberal school teacher, his father hired a tutor. That's the, all I have, Michael. I appreciate it. Thomas G. Lorenzo has got some great books out there, and you're right. When you run out of other people's money, that's part of the problem. And that's where we're at today. We're running out of people's money. The legislature is running out of other people's money. When they take the PFD, they're going to suck it all down, and then they'll look you in the eye and they'll go, well, you know, you Alaskans are not. You're not paying your fair share. You know, after they take all of the PFD and they continue to do all the spending on the PFD, they'll look you straight in the eye and they'll say, you know, Alaskans, they're just not paying your way. You know, all these other states have taxes and you don't, we don't have taxes here and we need it for the essential services that, I mean, even though we're spending, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars, but you know, you're just not paying your fair share. So what we need to do is we need to have taxes. That's what's going to happen. That is what is going to happen. And like I said, that's why we need to have the conversation about taxes now before we reach that point. Because if they've already taken all of the PFD, there's no going back from that. We will have no PFD and taxes on top of it. We should be talking about the PF. We should be talking about taxation now. Get the conversation started. And yes, there's really not much upside to the taxation, but at least we could have the conversation and maybe short circuit what they're talking about. All right, we got to go. Uh, we got more coming up. Uh, Chris Story is going to be joining us in a hot second. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for Common Sense Radio. We're going to be back with Chris Story right after this. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Let's go back over here and see what you Um... Rob Meyer says, the invasive species guys come to lobby us for money anyway. Might as well give it to them. Oh, man. <laughs> Just, you know, oh, man. 
proof that you can't fix stupid. Um, I'm, uh, my file, my husband just filed for his social security. It's nice to have it to offset winter utility costs, says Melanie. I mean, again, you paid for it. You might as well get it while you can, you know? Um, <clears throat> I told my kids don't count on social security. It's going to be gone. Yeah, it is. They, I mean, they've already said it. It's supposed to run out the year before, uh, according to the, I haven't seen the latest ones, but from last year, it's essentially supposed to run out the year before I'm eligible to file. So in the next nine years, it's going to run out. You know, I mean, that's just, ugh. Um, sounds, uh, let's see, going here. Would it be cool if the PFD, wouldn't it be cool if the PFD was only taken out of those areas of the legislators that want to take the PFD? A lot of the areas don't want to lose it. Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, Randy hit the nail on the head. He said he wants the option of getting his PFD check from the state. Well, we want the option of getting our PFD check from the state and doing what we want with it. Yeah. Um, it Unfortunately, says David, it seems like the never-ending story. Well, that's, that's true. That's true. Um. Um, for many of us, I think, I think Randy is full of crap. Why would you file for the PFD just to send it back? What a waste of time. I mean, if you didn't believe it was your money, why would you file for it in the first place? That's been my argument. If you didn't think it was your money and you didn't deserve it, then why file for it in the first place? Just leave it in the kitty. You know, I mean, just finish that, just finish it up. Tim said he just finished his first year on Social Security, and he said they've been saying that for 30 years, Michael. What, that it's going to run out of money? Have you been following the debt ceiling talks and everything else? Because, uh, yeah. Um, no will to cut spending. Where would the will come to fix Harold's oil giveaway? Well, here's my thing. Even if they did fix Harold's oil giveaway, which he's always going on about, $1 billion or whatever, they haven't fixed the underlying problem, which is just the 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 lust for spending. So if they drew another billion dollars from the oil company, then guess what? They'd have another billion dollars to spend because you haven't fixed the underlying problem. The underlying problem is still the spending. I mean, ask the real estate guru, Chris Story. If you don't fix the if you don't fix the foundation of the house, is it going to be a good investment, Chris? If you don't fix the foundation of a house, is it going to be a good investment? Do I have an opportunity to print money and reach into other people's pockets to pay for it? Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Is what? that your, what? Is that your dog snoring in the background? Is your dog snoring? Can you? Wow, this is a great microphone. Yes, it is. My uh, dogs are King Charles Cavalier Spaniels, and they can snore any time they wish oh king charles cavalier spaniels because i'm a special <laughs> no i just missed that since i lost my dog a year ago i i, oh, I do yeah. i remember i remember that sound and it was always it was always good it was always good um all right well to your, to your question yes of course you have to fix the foundation of course yeah well that's the problem i mean it doesn't matter what we do until we fix the idea that somehow this is a a revenue problem and, and change it to what it really is which is a spending problem until we reach that point it doesn't matter how much money we throw at them. They'll spend every dollar and then some. Period. True that. 
True, true that. True that. All right, Chris. Um, what's today's topic? Whatever Michael Dukes wants to talk about. All right, here we go. We're jumping back into it. The Michael Dukes Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Hey, da-ding-ding, you know what that means. It's time Chris Story joins us this morning on the program to talk about, well, everything we possibly could want to talk about. Good morning, Mr. Story, and happy VD to you. (laughs) Uh, That's good. What? What? Thank you, you, Michael. You you didn't you didn't think that that was was that not appropriate? Did I did I say the wrong thing? Was that is that not how it's supposed to be? Absolutely. That's I think par for the course. It's it's par for the course. It's just you know. Uh, So, uh, Mister Story, we're going to talk a little bit today about something. But I don't. You said whatever I want to talk about. Um, I want you know. I mean, we were just talking about foundational things and. getting our lives in order and figuring out, you know, what's wrong with us. We, we can't get the legislature to acknowledge that they've got an ugly, ugly spending addiction. Um, so what do we, what do we do? You, you, you guide me, Mr. Story. What are we talking about? Well, I, it just occurred to me that every Tuesday <clears throat> I think in advance and I prepare and I come up with a topic that I think will interest you or be interesting because I'm interested in it. Right. And it just occurred to me that there might be whole facets of life be it philosophical or whatever, that we're not addressing simply for the fact that I come here and shove my ideas in your face. And I thought, you know, today I'm going to ask Michael, Michael, what's on your mind? Aside from, and I, if I can say aside from, you know, what you just previously been discussing, sure. is there something else like you wake up in the middle of the night and worry about something? Is there, what's got you excited about this year? What are you worried about besides the permanent fund, which is it's going to be taken? Right. That. Right. Um, Just gone. accept it. Right. It's gone. And um, Randy's going to send you his. Yeah. So all that. I'm trying to get him to send it to me because I can definitely spend it better than the government can. Um, Chris, I would say that the one thing that I enjoy thinking about, ruminating on, and discussing uh, is the effect on thought, uh, the effect of thought on reality. Um, and that's a bit of a broader subject overall, but because you've touched you touch on that quite frequently. You know, how we think is where we're at is, is how we'll act, how we think. And, you know, the people that we associate with and the books we read will affect where we go from five years from now. I mean, I think that that is, to me, one of the most fascinating concepts in this idea of getting your mind right is the effect of thought on reality in the long run. And there, I mean, there's a much deeper level of discussion here. Uh, and it could be everything from, you know, the quantum mechanics of the observer effect, you know, where is it a wave is light a wave or is it a particle, depending on whether we're observing it or not? You know, what is that? Is our is it our thoughts and our observations and our mere presence that changes the basis of reality? Or is it something is it something different? Uh, you know, how we think does affect and how we react uh, 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 to things affects the world around us. 
I think that's a fascinating topic, quite honestly. But, uh, you know, yeah, so I, I do too. Yeah. So if you want to get into yeah. that, feel free. Well, it was, it's funny you should say that because that's really interesting. And we've not, just for those of you listening, this, we've not discussed this in advance. This morning, literally, I was putting into my journal thoughts about the interconnectedness of mind and our connections through through vibrations, through thoughts that are not any different than the radio waves that are that are taking these words out across, you know, an invisible plane, that, and then it received and then reinterpreted, and the vibrations slowed down, sped up, so it can come through the radio. Uh, the same thing with our minds, and I think that we emanate, we we put thoughts into the world, and we receive thoughts that are in the world, and we have an opportunity to interpret to analyze, to reject, to accept, or simply walk unconsciously through the day, not knowing why we're in a bad mood, not knowing why we're having uh, one negative experience after another, or the opposite, one positive experience after the other. But is that consciousness, that conscious awareness, Napoleon Hill was writing about this in the early 20s, 100 years ago, and the, the idea that these unseen vibratory impacts that you receive in your mind and you interpret and you create a life or you create an emotion or you make action or don't take action based on what you're receiving is pretty fascinating. And it's, as you say, it's a bit quantum, it's a bit metaphysical, it's, it can delve into the spiritual or the philosophic, but the reality is in my life, I've seen it too many times. I've been receiver of too many ideas that I know came to me and didn't come from me, but rather through me, too many times to, to right. question whether or not it's true. I don't have the scientific wherewithal to explain it or to understand it or measure it or even care to. I just like to use it. It's a little bit like surfing. You know, I'm not 100% sure how that wave was formed or where it came from, but let's ride the wave and enjoy it. I agree. Um, and it's interesting you bring up Napoleon Hill because that was some of my first exposure to <clears throat> the concept of you know, of uh, the universal, you know, kind of concept of, of the universe and everything. He used that as kind of code for, you know, g God, religion, uh, you know, kind of the, the whole spiritual aspect of things. But he couched it in terms of, that of the day were probably a little bit more palatable, this universal mind idea. But he talks about the frequency of your thoughts and thinking about things and pondering it putting it into your subconscious and plugging it in and believing that the results will come and seeing things happen. And of course, later on, we learn about things that from a scientific standpoint of, uh, you know, things like the, the observer effect and, and some of the other things that are, uh, you know, based in more scientific, uh, you know, uh, mechanical kind of things. But to me, I've, I've seen it happen in my own life. Like you said, I've seen it happen in my own life. Things that I, that I focused on and ruminated on and things that I thought about, sometimes things that I started to think about and then I kind of just, I focused on them, but I forgot about them and then they came true and I was like, that's kind of weird. It's, 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 you know, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to organize my thoughts and direct it and keep those things in the right direction. But sometimes my subconscious appears to be even working on things, even when I'm not consciously paying attention to it. And it, you know, it takes a lot of work to get there, but it's an interesting idea that, how we think about things and maybe maybe it's maybe we're all freak maybe we're all psyching ourselves out and maybe it's just because we put ourselves in a position to be receptive to see things that we may not have seen 
because we were occupied by other thoughts or ideas and it popped up and we just wouldn't have seen it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not something that's metaphysical or spiritual or whatever. Maybe it's just we've honed our minds to key in on things that we would have missed if we hadn't been concentrating fully of, uh, uh, on it. Concentrating or just even aware of, I think just that being aware of this possibility, the realm of this possibility and not rejecting it or accepting it out of hand, just be aware of it and, and see, see what happens. Uh, go with me here for a minute. I, I read a book um, probably about probably 15 or 16 years ago called Creating Wealth by Robert G. Allen, who had also written No Money Down and kind of become pretty famous in the 80s for for that stunt where he was flown to Los Angeles with no money, no ID, and he bought, I don't remember, three or four properties within 24 hours. And anyway, it was a, it was a big media stunt, but it was to prove a point that you can do anything you set your mind to uh, in the realm of real estate or, or otherwise. And anyway, so I read that book, Creating Wealth, and he talks uh, a little bit about the no money down philosophy. And I said to, to my wife, I said, you know, we should buy two properties this year. I read it fairly early in the year. Let's buy two properties this year with nothing done. And we didn't know how. We didn't know the, the way with which these properties would come to us. And yet, we did that year. Bought two properties. In fact, one of them, not only did we put nothing down, we got money back at the closing table. <laughs> and so the idea, though, was that that's out there. That idea is out there. It wasn't new. It was transmitted through a book transmitted from one person to another, from his typewriter to the printing press, to my eyeballs, to my brain, to my mouth, uh, and sharing it with Tiffany, who's my partner, both in life and business. And then we began to, for lack of a better term, we just began to operate or to to think and put into the world different thoughts, which, re which were brought back to us in the form of two deeds to properties that year with nothing down. And it, Anyway, I believe it. I know it. I've seen it. One of the things uh, I had a great pleasure a couple of years ago of interviewing Robert G. Allen. I told him that story and how exciting it was to see it come to fruition. And he said, let me tell you this. I was in Thailand and I, he, Robert G. Allen was saying this and he, he was speaking before a large group. And a little woman came up to him, a little Thai woman came up to him and said, thank you. Uh, because of you and your book, I was able to uh, create, and I don't remember if it was $2 million or $3 million worth of property net worth or whatever it was. And, and he just said, well, that's fantastic. So you, you, what principles out of the book did you get the most out of it? She goes, no, no, I didn't read it. I just read the cover and thought, oh, can property be purchased for no money down? Can wealth be created in real estate with nothing down? I'm going to try it. She said, it was just the cover of your book inspired me to go try it. Wow. Just the cover, just the nothing the else, cover. just the, the cover. Alone. That's the title alone gets it yeah. done. Well, the other thing that I'd love to talk about, and, and I, I constantly try and bring this out of you in almost every time we interview is, you know, where do we get started? The starting point, because you and I, we have been reading a lot of these books for years, right? I mean, we, I started reading uh, Napoleon Hill and, you know, uh, Andrew Carnegie, Dale Carnegie, uh, you know, Orson Sweat Martin, uh, James Allen. I started reading these books when I was in my late teens. And so we've been doing this for a long time. But people who are listening to this for the first time and they're like, well, it sounds like this is kind of, but how do they get started? And so I'm always like, you know, 
Break it down for me Barney style, right? Talk to me like I'm five and tell me how do people get started in getting their mind right? Because that's the battle today. Our constant need where our attentions are being pulled in a million different directions by everything that's around us. And it's easy to get subsumed and overwhelmed. We need to know, you know, how do we get started in getting our minds right? Uh, and I know you're probably sick of talking about it because I'm always coming back to it, but I'm always looking for you to give it to me in just a, a little bit different way because sometimes that's what it is. You know, that's why we have all these parables. It's the same story being told 15 different ways because 15 different people need different, you know, they need the story differently to be able to grasp it and understand it. So break it down for me uh, here and tell me, you know, how do we get started in this kind of concept of, getting our minds right and being able to focus on what we need to focus on. I think if, if you're the person who is skeptical, who feels like I can't, you know, I can't tolerate this kind of uh, metaphysical talk or this idea of goal setting makes you sick or does it, does it make you see in your mind when somebody starts talking about goal setting, do you immediately see a corporate retreat at a holiday in, you know, five miles from where you work and you're, your boss rolling up his sleeves on a whiteboard and some cheesy mission statements being created. So we have a lot of baggage around the concepts, I think, and the ideas and the philosophy of self-improvement. Sometimes we think about, you know, big hair and big teeth and infomercials late at night and isn't it cheesy. And so there's a lot of cobwebs probably in the mind of anybody who's skeptical. And I would just say to anyone who is skeptical or unfamiliar with, with these ideas, just try it. Just try it once and you'll see it, the proof is in the pudding. So if you if you don't worry about how, you just worry about what or who. If you're looking for a relationship or you're looking for a thing or a bump in income or a raise, you put this to work and you put it to practice. And you say, this is where I'm aiming and I do not know how I'll get there. And then just begin. But it's I think without those two things coupled together, which is an aim and beginning, you could prove that it doesn't work really quick. So if you just aim at something but don't begin, or you begin but you don't aim, and you're, as Zig Ziglar said, a wandering generality versus a meaningful specific, then you can prove this wrong and prove yourself right. And that's what skeptics do. Right. I like what Jim Rohn said one time. He said, you know, th there's certain people that just lie, and, and they, they shouldn't. They shouldn't lie. And he says, why shouldn't they lie? They're the liars. That's what liars do. Of course they got to lie. And there's people that are going to win. There's people that are going to try this and say, I think I will do that. I think I hear these idiots every Tuesday talking about this. Let me just try it. And that's what I would say. To start is to try and to simply make an aim. And it could be something simple or it could be something far reaching and then begin. But if you don't begin, you don't take some action. For example, I gave that story about buying two properties that year with zero down and it could sound mystical or magical. It wasn't at all. We, I told people, I started telling people, oh, by the way, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm looking for two properties this year uh, with nothing down. If you hear of anything, you hear of anybody who wants to, to sell something like that, let me know, would you? And I told one guy and he goes, oh, I've got, and he described the property. I'll sell to you for nothing down. I was like, done. We shook hands. Uh, we exchanged a little uh, a dollar uh, out of a coffee card as earnest money because that's all I had on me at the time. And so, it, but it began. And that's the difference is do you just aim or right. do you aim and then begin? And I think it takes coupling those two things together. So to start, simply write down something that you wish to achieve, something you want to do, become, 
a relationship you want, and then begin pursuing it. You don't have to know how to get started. And I think that's the great mystery of it all, is that you don't have to know how. The, the way will appear if you begin. Uh, I remember somebody once said, you you know, as you said, you've got to have a goal or you never know where you're going, right? you got to have something. And, and you were talking about the wandering generality versus the meaningful specific. It's the same kind of thing. And I don't remember who said it, but I, it was either a talk or, or maybe it was a book that I read. And whoever it was said, you know, if you don't have a goal, just figure out something. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be life altering. Just figure out a goal, write it down on a sheet of paper and put it on your refrigerator. And every time you go to that refrigerator, look at that, look at that, what you've written down as a goal and work from there. And he goes, at least now you'll have a, you'll have a, a, an aim and you can work on. And then maybe you'll figure out the steps that you need to do to get there, but at least put it in front of you. And every time you go to the fridge, you look at it and go, hmm, okay. Yeah. I'm still, I still remember that. Now, maybe in eight months, it'll be spattered with ketchup and you won't remember exactly why you put it there or anything else, but your brain will still be processing it and your subconscious will be working on it as well. I mean, I think that is an important first step is writing it down, what you want, and then, you know, slowly try and figure it out from there. I agree. I close my radio show with the same three lines every week. Look forward, learn from your past, live in the present. And sometimes we can look so far forward with too too far of a stretching goal that we actually take some of the joy out of the present and we forget that this is the good life right here. I mean, like I, I, I said, I wasn't really prepared to talk to you and I'll let my, no, I've been preparing all morning to talk to you. I've been looking forward to it and I've been hundred percent present this whole time. I've got a really busy day ahead of me. I'm not thinking about that. I'm here in this present. And I think we, in this fast paced world, which is, you know, a hundred million light years beyond what Napoleon Hill could have imagined a hundred years ago. But although it wouldn't surprise him where we're at, right? You, you couldn't even have imagined it. Being present is huge. It's a huge gift to give yourself to allow yourself to be content and happy in this moment, even while you're aiming at a goal. I, I absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Chris Story, the man from Homer. I love HomerAlaska.com. Author of the book The Backyard Millionaire, the Making a Man fictional series, and more. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it, my friend. It was good to talk with you today. Thank you for coming on board. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Folks, out of time. Got to fly. Our, uh, the second last segment up next. Bye. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, I think Chris is still with us. Uh, any final thoughts, Mr. Story, since you, uh, I know you've got a busy day, but, uh, any final thoughts to leave folks <laughs> with here? Um, no, just thank you. And, and thank you for the opportunity to have this, this conversation, uh, every week. I, I appreciate it. Well, it helps me. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it helps other folks out there. I hope it does, but it helps me focus on my mind on things that we don't even talk about. I mean, because later on I'd be like, yeah, I was thinking about what you said and how I need to focus on what I'm doing and, and, you know, kind of refocus my chief definite aim and kind of do those kind of stuff. Or am I, am I wandering way off track? You know, am I upset or am I unhappy because, you know, of something going on? Is it because I've stopped focusing on my on my goal is it is that what it is it just helps me reconnect with uh with what i'm doing and so even if nobody else gets anything out of it i get a ton out of it it's uh it's it's kind of the touchstone of my week every week and uh we'll be if it was just me and you doing this show and just we'd just be talking to ourselves i'd still be doing it because 
It's yeah, I was going to say it's reminiscent of conversations we have off air as well. I absolutely. I can't wait for you to watch. I can't wait for you to watch The Last of Us, and <laughs> and then we can riff about that. It really is amazingly start to think about if everything you know of society was stripped away. They do an incredible job of refocusing on just how would the world remake itself. You know, through the eyes of people, how would people re- re- begin to rebuild? Who would take control? Right. What matters? What little tiny thing that we take for granted today would completely make a difference in that world? Anyway, I can't wait to yeah. talk to you about that. It's a well, really good series, but I know you, you're going to binge it. Yeah, I'm going to binge it once it's out. But I mean, it's one. That's one of the reasons why I enjoyed watching The Walking Dead. Was the same kind of thing. When societal norms and everything and the whole framework of society is stripped away, what does it look like then? Um, and what, you know, what, what remains, what remains of, what matters, you know, yeah. of humanity and things like that. How do they handle things? And, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating look at that kind of stuff, but yeah, I'm going to be jumping into the, the, uh, I'm going to be jumping into that. I, I played the game, the last of us, and it was, it was great. Uh, this is, I'm hoping going to be true enough. I'm hearing good things about it. So I think it's going to be a good, uh, a good show, but we'll, uh, I'll wait for the final episode to drop and then we can discuss it. So, all right. right. Hey, happy VD. All right. Thank you, my friend. Don't, uh, the doc makes a cream for that. So just go get it right now. Okay. (laughs) I'll see you later. On my way. Thanks, my friend. Bye. Appreciate it. Chris Story, uh, the man from Homer, coming on board and doing it. Uh, The game, The Last of Us, that show is based on is good too, says Catherine. Yes. Yes, it is. It's very, very good. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, as a uh, as a good, it was very enjoyable. Let's just put it that way. Very enjoyable. All right. <clears throat> well, we're coming up uh, on the uh, coming up on the last segment of the show. No idea what we're going to talk about specifically, but uh, it'll be something. Um. Uh, let's see. Uh, Alaska Game of Thrones says Hawk. Um, I saw something comment that Alex made earlier. Alex said. Uh, the idea that all people know how to spend money better than government seems short-sighted. We are not all the same. Just drive the roads in the winter. It seems that this show, if you disagree, you get attacked. Honest discussion need different points of view. Well, I don't know if you haven't been listening to the show for a while, Alex, or if you're not that familiar, but I'm not attacking anybody. I'm what Basically what I'm saying is this. You know better than the government as a collective committee of people. You know better than they how to spend your money. You know what is more important to your life than anything else. I'm not saying that we don't need roads and we don't need, you know, anything else. I'm saying, but if the choice is that you're going to spend $100 or the government is going to spend $100, you know the impact that that has on your family and you know better how to spend it. What we're seeing today is a lot of government spend that's going on to benefit, you know, spread the wealth, so to speak, or benefit other people or do things. I mean, this argument that somehow we're not spending enough on education when we've had a 35% increase in education spending since 2000 and was it 2002, 2006, in the last 15 years, we have a 35% increase in in spending. We're spending $18,000 per student, and yet they want more. Uh, and they tell you, well, we, the, the, the inference is we know more than you. We know better than you how we should how your money should be spent. That's why we're taking your PFD because you don't really need that. We need it to to better you kind of thing. Um, and I'm not. <clears throat> I don't attack anybody. <clears throat> not even Harold when I should. Uh, 
Harold loves that. Um, but, you know, it, it, you could disagree with me all day long. I mean, I I respectfully I respectfully would respectfully disagree on something with you. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That doesn't mean that I don't believe you should have your opinion. So I think maybe you just haven't heard enough of the show that you think maybe that we're attacking people. Uh, again, disagreement is not an attack. I think that's the important part here. Just because we disagree does not mean that I'm attacking you. Uh, it just means that we have a disagreement. Uh, I think that's part of the problem with today's society is they all feel that if it, if you disagree, then immediately it's some kind of attack or something. It's not what it is at all. All right, let's uh, keep going. Okay. Here we are, down to the last segment of the show today. And uh, I'm going to throw the phone lines open. And uh, we can talk about all this stuff. Whatever you want to talk about. Um, Interesting, interesting discussions. Um, Let's let's go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say. Phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. Tomorrow on the program... Um, is uh, Mike Schauer going to be joining us in hour two? I think Frank Tomaszewski is going to be joining us in hour one. Waiting on confirmation of that. He is the new legislator from the interior. We'll talk with him here uh, hopefully tomorrow morning at 624. Let's go over here to the phones and see what you guys have to say. And we'll get uh, we'll get some final take here on this morning's program. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Are you there? Hello, caller. Are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning. How are you, sir? What's happening? Uh, yeah, this is Ron in North Pole. Uh, you mentioned something at the beginning of your show today that triggered a thought, and I just wonder if any really thinking person believes that uh, an extraterrestrial being that likely arrived here at something in excess of warp speed would use a, a 19th or early 20th century <laughs> technology for aerial reconnaissance. Yeah, them weather balloons, you know, they are that's the cutting edge of alien technology, right? I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading some of these, reading some of the accounts and some of the theories and some of the headlines, and I'm just like. This thing was flying at twenty the the the, the pill shaped one or whatever it was the over it was flying at twenty thousand feet and it was flying at I think less than fifty miles an hour or whatever it was they couldn't even go to guns on it they said they wanted to go to guns but they were having a hard time because it's so slow they couldn't hit it and so then they're like well we'll just shoot it down with a missile and so I'm thinking this is not I mean I've seen the videos of the Navy when they released all those videos of the ufos or the uh, what do they call them now uaps unidentified aerial phenomenon of these pill-shaped objects that were traveling at hundreds of miles an hour you know bending off at 90 degrees and going underwater and coming back up now that i could buy a weather balloon traveling at or a, a any kind of balloon-shaped object traveling super slow just kind of puttering around 
I I have a hard time buying into that. You know, even even ancient astronaut theorists couldn't believe in that. I think, Ron. Just, yeah, just a thought. Have a good day, sir. All right, Ron. Thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Um. All right, uh, so uh, down to the last uh, four and a half, five minutes here. If you'd like to call in, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, we'd love to, uh, you know, we'd love to see your thoughts on uh, on everything that's going on here. Um, the <clears throat> uh, Michael Dukes, I will be calling in tomorrow to speak about Durham buses and the Matsubushi. Melody, if you want to call in now, we got four minutes. We can talk about it uh, and see what you. Uh, See what you want to do. That school bus strike, by the way, still going on, still ongoing, still no resolution. Those poor people that uh, those poor people that I've got kids that they're trying to get to school in the Matsu. Nothing's happening. I can't imagine the frustration that uh, the parents in the Matsu school district must be feeling right now. It must be. It it just must be killing them. Absolutely killing them. Um, but yeah, we're, we'll see if we can get some details on that. Melody has been following this along. We'll see what she can say, uh, this morning. Uh, Brian says not weather balloons, seed pods. They need to be spunctured. They need to be punctured to release the spores. Well, then we played right into their hands, didn't we? And now we will all be pod people. Uh, I know that they showed video of black Hawks and everything else and other military, uh, aircraft out on, out of dead horse on the, on the, uh, out on the ocean there, a dead horse pulling stuff out from the balloon that they shot down up there. No word yet as to what was attached to any of that, but we'll we'll see what happens. All right, we got time for one more call here real quick. Let's uh, go see what the caller has to say before we run out of time. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. It's Melody. Hello, Melody. Give us the rundown of what's happening at uh, at Durham there. Okay, four minutes. Basically, what's going on is, from my point of view, Matsu Borough School District is refusing to hold Durham accountable for their uh, faulting on their contractual agreements. The safety issues that the reason are the bus drivers are striking are valid safety issues. OSHA is doing an investigation on Durham buses right now. What I've heard over the last couple of days is that um, Durham has been pulling buses off their lot on tow trucks to get rid of the evidence of the uncertified buses that do not have DOT certification to be on the roads. Um, I'm understanding that some of these buses that what happened was Durham only had like 12 buses on their lot when their summer DOT inspection comes along, which is annual. Okay. They, most of their fleet arrived after that inspection, but were put out on the roads with safety, no safety inspections, no DOT certification. All this is coming out now in the public, that those buses have huge safety issues, and Durham is refusing to not only negotiate, which they haven't been willing to negotiate since August, but they're refusing to fix the buses. What they're doing is they're carrying them off the lot. So when DOT's or OSHA's investigation, because OSHA handles safety, safety compliance, DOT handles the certification and inspections for being roadworthy, but OSHA is the one who handles any safety complaints regarding these issues. The school really isn't doing much about it. 
they were asked to fire Durham at the last district meeting, um, which was at the beginning of February. Um, one of the uh, board members got really upset about, no, we can't, we can't fire them without talking to our attorneys. I told, basically told Mount Seaborough School District they needed to hold Durham's feet to the fire and make them comply and take care of these issues. Parents are struggling to make this work to get their kids to school. I know kids that have been out for now, it's going into week three, have not been in school. And I'm being told by the school district, oh, there's only 4% of the students that aren't showing up for school. So what was asked of me by a school board member was, how would you feel if um, the Matsu Borough School District gave the parents a stipend or some kind of reimbursement for transporting their kids? Would that make it more convenient for you? And I'm like, well, I'm a grandparent raising grandkids, so I really, not having buses aren't an issue. It's a, a huge inconvenience. I don't right. drive in the wintertime, but I'm still hauling my kids back and forth to school. Well, uh, it, this is... It's just ignorance on both sides. They're like pointing fingers, but nobody's doing anything about it. Well, and I, I think more parents need to show up at the Matsu Borough School District meeting on the 15th of this month. That would be tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, uh, Matsu Borough School District meeting. All right, Melody. Well, I thank you for that. Uh, appreciate it. Folks, we're out of time for today. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one. Melody, I, I agree with you. I think that, uh, look, the whole thing here on this is, uh, I just can't imagine. I can't see how Durham could be fulfilling their contract. I would think that uh, at some point the school board's going to have to basically say you're in, you know, you're 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 in violation, and to cancel the contract. But then they'll have to put it out to bid, and that would mean that the whole rest of the school year is no buses. I think they're it's a rock and a hard place. Somebody needs to call the first student people and say, hey, can you please come back? We'll we'll give you the moon. I think that's probably what's going to happen eventually. All right, well, thank you for your call. Thank you for calling in and joining us. We are out of here. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. We will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Thanks for coming in.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. 